What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, this is Mike Sparrow with Authority Zero, and you're listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast. Hey, by the way, Tim, remember how I said I had all the technology figured out before we started? Well, I screwed up that <laughs> intro because apparently uh, nobody could hear us until uh, until right now. So uh, now they can hear everybody. So uh, sorry about that, guys. But uh, I suck at producing a show while I was also trying to talk during it. So uh, uh, so Tim, for the podcast version, you may have to uh, just uh, lay in your intro real quick and then uh, everything else should be fine. So sorry sure, about that, guys. Did- did the people watching, did they hear who Saul is? Because <laughs> Saul's just some random dude that's it, some, uh, hey, that wears U of A hats. shirt says it all, man, right here. It just says, I won't remember any of this anyway, so it doesn't matter. So, it doesn't matter. So Saul is the host of the Total BS podcast, also works at Fox Sports Arizona, helps with uh, and runs a lot of their digital uh, platform. So a uh, good friend of mine. And uh, yet Dave decided to just take the week off. So, so glad to have Saul. Uh, everybody heard me apparently, but uh, nobody heard Tim's intro. So I always love technology. It's so stupid. But, uh, <laughs> but as Saul, so anyways, uh, yeah, I, I, I loved being on your pod. Uh, glad to have uh, you here. And uh, you want to plug how they can how, how they can find your pod right here at the beginning, because I, I like to give you that good plug for early on. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. No, you, they can find us on Apple, Apple, Spotify, Google, you know, pretty much any any uh, podcast streaming platform. And also every Sunday we do a live stream on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Um, and so we have a special guests usually every Sunday that we'll bring on. As you know, you were on our show um, last week. And so, uh, yeah, we always uh, we try to try to engage people in conversation that is a little bit more than just sports. You know, we, we try to have fun as much as possible. But obviously, in, in recent weeks, we've had to go down the Black Lives Matter route, and um, which has been illuminating. It's been educational and it's been um, really interesting. And uh, I'm pretty proud of the stuff that we've been able to talk about. So, yeah, we're a little bit all over the place. But it, fun is the main priority. Yeah. And you guys hey, are- let me let me ask you a question. Uh, when you guys. When the total BS uh, podcast goes live on your YouTube and Facebook, do you also mute the host for the first 30 seconds of the show? Uh, I am the host, and it's usually just Justin, so I just tell him to shut up and color. And then, uh, and every, and our guests are in a waiting room, so they're muted anyway. So, look, look the way. <laughs> The way I the way I like to do this is I like to be the only one that can be heard for the first part of the show because I uh, I really just wanted this show to be about me and uh, everybody knows it so uh, by the way Saul is that a picture of Michael Jordan behind you it is all right is. So, so you guys have a segment on your show that you say don't be that guy yeah. Come on, don't be that guy. This is a Phoenix Suns podcast, and you decide to taunt me for the next hour with Michael freaking Jordan behind you. I appreciate yeah, you that. You know, it's it's subdued. You'd really have yeah. to really look hard just to see that that's Michael Jordan, can't you? I mean, you know, I can't see it. I, you know, I, I have old man eyes, and I could tell. So that's, thank you for that. So I really appreciate it. Don't be it's, that at least guy. it's not him skyrocketing down the lane to score another bucket in the last two minutes against the Suns in the finals, right? Yeah, it's just sure. a generic photo. All right, let's let's move on. Tim, are you ready to move on to uh, something that doesn't completely depress me? I mean, I thought I thought I was happy to have Saul here, but apparently he's just if, as bad it, as Dave. So. If it makes you well, feel any better, I'm. I, it still hurts. It still hurts. <laughs> uh, we do have Vincent, by the way, on the chat, joining live from Kaminsky Cove. So, no, no, no. Hey, he said so he said two... Greg's live from Kaminsky Cove. What if this is Kaminsky Cove? I'm selling my property because it's <laughs> tiny, uh, it's padded, and it's a walk-in closet. So, all right. So two Suns players have tested positive for COVID-19. The Suns, to my knowledge, have not released who those players were. Uh, Devin Booker on Twitch said that he tested and uh, he's been cleared. He is negative. Um, Adrian Wojnarowski saying the 16 out of 302 total players did test positive. I know this is not ideal news, 
but it seems to me that this is part of the reason why they started bringing back people so early is that if there were positive tests, they would have plenty of time to get the players to Orlando in the bubble and to be able to, you know, uh, essentially get rid of COVID-19. Yeah. And look, I, I expected, I mean, that we want to be 5.3% of, uh, of the overall players tested. I expected it actually be higher. Now there's still more players that will get tested. Uh, this was just results from the team facilities. Plus, it doesn't include coaches uh, and other essential staff that will be going to Orlando. So I would not be shocked if we find out that that more people uh, will be dealing with uh, or have this uh, that are involved in this bubble. But if somebody was going to have COVID-19 in this plan, now is the time you want it because there's time to isolate uh, before Going to Orlando, and then the problem—that uh, the problem is if somebody gets it while inside the bubble. Uh, so that's that's when it becomes very problematic because if somebody inside gets it, you wind up probably infecting numerous people because they're all isolated together. And that's the whole point of this: is if you all go in without it, and then you all stay together, and nobody comes in which is what they're trying to uh, to to minimize, then you shouldn't have an issue. They're the only sports league that's doing this right uh, plan-wise. NHL, maybe. Uh, we haven't seen what their full plan is, but this is the only sport that's genuinely trying to isolate the group, and even that is going to be uh, going to be dangerous. But the commissioner basically said on Friday, look, we have to learn how to live with this virus because it's not going anywhere, and there is no perfect plan, uh, which these tests prove. I think it's kind of interesting. I, I wonder, I wonder if this is going to, you know, I mean, everybody has a fear of this virus because a lot of people haven't gotten it yet, right? The majority of the nation. I know the numbers, um, you know, are what they are. But I wonder if, as we move along, um, even heading into next season, if this is just going to be one of those things where, okay, well, he got it, he was good the first time. Uh, maybe if if they have a reoccurrence, because I know the antibody. Um, uh, thought out there is that you can't get it a second time, but there have been reports that people have gotten it a second time. So I wonder if this is just going to be one of those things where the quarantine goes from maybe 14 days to 10 days to five days to maybe a day or two. I don't know. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how the NBA kind of manifests itself when dealing with this uh, virus moving forward. But in the meantime, I mean, it's, uh, you know, you're right. It's better to get it now than later. That's for sure. Wait, so you're not an epidemiologist? I thought we I no, thought we brought an epidemiologist I, on the show. I am not an expert, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I don't try to play one. That's for sure. Look, I think I think the the only way they start lessening the the quarantine time is if it's LeBron and Giannis that get it. Then it's gonna be like, hey, 15 minutes sounds like a great amount of time to quarantine, and then <laughs> you know I think you got another game to so get back out there because uh, all these are basically on ESPN and TNT, like. It, so, so we need national attention. I mean, would would you be surprised if they got to the NBA Finals and LeBron or Giannis got got COVID and they didn't say anything? They're like, dude, we just gotta ride this out. I, no, no, it would not shock me at all. I, none of it would shock me. I, <laughs> and, I just, and also, I I feel like that that sentence was uh, a little bit ass backwards. What it should have said is if LeBron and Devin Booker got to the NBA Finals, right? Or <laughs> I guess it'd be the Conference Finals, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, uh, that, that might. Yeah, I'm not an epidemiologist. I'll just leave it there. Hey, why? Why couldn't you play? Why couldn't you play basketball in some kind of abridged hazmat suit? I mean, they'll figure it out for LeBron and Giannis. Yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, so I, just to give you guys a, a little bit of a personal story, uh, Greg knows this already. Anybody watching or listening on the the podcast doesn't. But uh, so I've been quarantined for the last you know five or six days essentially because I came into third degree of separation of somebody that um, uh, uh, was exposed to COVID-19, right? And it was just kind of a reminder of how easy and impossible it is, no matter what you're doing, to not, unless you're one of those people that are literally, and NBA players don't qualify for this, in their house, not leaving, getting their groceries delivered, uh, to not in some way come in contact with uh, with COVID-19 at this point. Okay. I mean, it's just inevitable in the bubble that there is, even if the NBA does everything right, um, there are still going to be, uh, you know, hotel staff, for example. And even if those hotel staff are doing it right, um, let's say one of their, uh, their significant others waits tables, something along the lines, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is no way that they are going to be able to avoid 
it, no matter how close knit the bubble is. No, not I mean, no. if it makes you feel any better, I'm in day three of quarantine right now because my fiance um, had two people at her work actually get COVID. And so they right. shut the whole clinic down for two weeks and she's been here and no symptoms, luckily. And we're, but we're just trying to be safe and do our part so we don't affect anybody else in case we do have it. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's just crazy. And it, it's starting to become like six degrees of, uh, of Kevin Bacon where you got, you're going, okay, I knew this guy who knows that guy that knows that guy. I gotta, I gotta sit in and, and I'm glad everybody's doing their part. I'm, I'm doing mine as well, but this is, this is going to be one grand experiment when it comes to sports and, and this bubble with the NBA and, and how they try to figure out and, and how to navigate it uh, is is just fascinating, uh, fascinating to me. And we'll see uh, we'll see if they avoid uh, outbreaks that uh, like we're seeing in in other sports, in particular, a lot of college football teams are having uh like reporting large amounts of uh, of student athletes that wind up catching this, so the NBA is is gonna have to do a lot. But it sounds like there's a lot of faith in Adam Silver and and what this plan is that they're doing everything they can to keep guys safe. So hopefully, uh, hopefully they get through this without anything too major. I still feel like this whole thing is a selfish endeavor, uh, selfish from all fronts. It's selfish by the owners because they want to mitigate the losses. It's selfish by the players because they they want they want their the rest of their salary, you know, and it's selfish by the fans because we just want to be entertained. But but if anybody's doing it safe, it's it's the NBA and uh, it's all adults involved in it. So if if they're making the choice to do it, uh, there's there's not a lot that can be done otherwise. Uh, anyways, so well, we I might as well make enjoy the it. selfish choice of going back to work too. Well, you know? yeah, I but, mean, <laughs> but you're not sitting on room, millions and millions of dollars like a lot of these uh, these guys that's, are. So that's you're, very true. You're I, doing I, it out of necessity. They're doing it out of well, I really would like that uh, second beach house. That'd be nice. So, um. I mean, that as well as, you know, they are making money for uh, generations of their family to come. And you only have so much time to make that money to really impact uh, uh, your family. Like, so, my, like my dad told me and like I tell my three-year-old, make your own damn money is what I'd be saying to those other generations. <laughs> I'm working my ass off. You can do it too. All right. I mean, I'm just saying if I could set up my grandchildren, I would. At this point, I'm having a hard time setting up my dog. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's, well, that's because uh, you spend part of your time doing this, and this is a fruitless endeavor outside of meeting people like Saul. But otherwise, it's fruitless. No, that's not true. We make enough money to buy a tank of gas a month, which is pretty cool. It's true, uh, which did, is pointless I, in Saul, quarantine. Did you, did you or Espo happen to listen to the last episode of uh, the Zach Lowe pod? I did not. I did not either. So uh, that would have been good prep work if you had uh, warned us to listen to it before. I must have missed that note last night at (laughs) 9 o'clock when I got asked to be on this. Hey, not true. I asked you yesterday during the day. Don't don't throw me under the bus like Dave. Does. I didn't even mention your name. You threw yourself under the bus. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's true. Damn, self-incrimination. All right. So to so what he was talking about was there's a lot of people that are going to judge the the success of this based on the results. You know, whether or not the NBA was able to to go full steam ahead, they were able to get through the season, or whether or not they ended up having to scrap it in the first round of the playoffs, right? And, but what he was basically saying is you cannot um, a judge success based on the results of this, right? Like if, if you don't think it's a good idea, you need to be speaking out now. You cannot be one of those people that are going to come and say, well, you know what? It blew up in the second round of the playoffs. So it was a disaster and the NBA should have never done it. Well, I, I think the fact that if they get to Orlando and pull any of this off, it's a huge success for the way that they they've gone about this because I, I mean, all the moving pieces to try to figure out how to put 22 teams in one place to negotiate with Disney to get it, to figure out how you can play all these games with only three courts and pull off a broadcast, plus negotiate a CBA adjustment with the Players Association without a complete implosion. I mean, baseball couldn't even do step one without chaos. The NBA has gone through and taken numerous steps. If they if they get to Orlando and they play in one game, 
This is a success in my mind for just figuring out how to pull any of it off. I don't think you can judge them if somehow uh, the virus uh, winds up in the bubble and they too many people test positive and they have to shut it down. I don't think that's a failure. I think that's I think that's probably more of a probability than this actually working is. But I still think it's pretty impressive what they've been able to accomplish. I mean, it, it is a huge endeavor. And, and it, I think something that kind of gets lost is the NBA's had this plan for, what, about, about a month now, right, uh, in terms of their, their bubble plan officially kind of coming out to everybody, whereas Major League Baseball just announced their plan this week. And then on top of that, Major League Baseball starting a week earlier, and they're not bubbling at all. They're all over the country, whereas the NBA is in one central location. Obviously, the NBA had a was fortunate enough to already start their season, so they have a little bit of an advantage in terms of who can, they can select and they can kick out. But I don't know, man. It just feels like the NBA is as prepared as any sports league out there in terms of starting restarting the leagues. Uh, you know, uh, soccer overseas, same thing. This has been a long process for everybody, and I think the NBA has done as as good of a job as anybody out there. Yeah, let's not I think it was New Zealand, right, where uh, they had a, a packed stadium because they haven't had a single positive case of COVID in, in three weeks. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, I don't think we can call Major League Baseball's whatever they're doing a plan. They basically went, uh, let's just play less games. That's like their whole COVID plan. Oh, and guys can't spit or high five. Like that feels like their whole <laughs> – their whole plan here where the NBA is like uh, we've got NASA people and people from the CDC who have figured out uh, all these mathematical equations to make make this work. It's like it's like the frat house and the honors college here. And it, it it's totally night and day. All right. Well, there, there, to, there's to be some... fair, I mean, baseball is a pretty uh, COVID-19 ideal sport, right? Like, True. Just keep on your helmets. Uh, I mean, there's something to be said about like uh, the stress relief I think we'll all have by watching sports um, is a is a is a huge thing that people shouldn't underestimate. Right. I think we all want some sense of normalcy, whatever that is. Right. And so when these sports come back, I think the fact that you're going to restrict baseball in so many different ways, they're talking about players not even being the dugouts like they're going to be spread out by like six plus feet. And like when I see that on TV. I'm like, oh, man, that that, that kind of makes me a little bit more stressed, you know, like, oh, don't high five. You know, like, I don't want to think about that kind of stuff. I just want to watch the game. Yeah. You know, and so I, I think the NBA's approach is a little bit more sensible in that in that aspect, because, you know, they're not telling LeBron not to high five anybody. I'm sure they're going to encourage them not to. But you can't help it when when you when you when you make a dunk over somebody, you got to high five your teammates or chest bump like it's just how it goes. Yeah. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't matter if they high five when they're playing basketball, though, right? I mean, they were just like literally rubbing up against somebody True. at that point. You know, it doesn't matter. I do wonder if the coaches are going to be wearing masks, though. That seems like an easy thing that they could be doing. I think it depends on the coach. I I think they're going to wind up requiring guys like Alvin Gentry and Mike D'Antoni, Greg Popovich, those those guys that that are in that age range or any coach that has some pre-existing uh, condition that makes them vulnerable. Uh, to wind up wearing them, I just I don't I don't see how they're gonna get around it uh, with with the just the the ramifications if one of these older guys uh, winds up catching it. I mean that's that's the scariest thing out of all of this. An older referee, uh, an older coach, uh, somebody that, that that isn't a player that's vulnerable to this in some way gets it, and and something serious happens that doesn't just deal derail a season it it becomes a much larger issue and become a, a, a tragedy but also probably stops all other sports if, if something like that happens in any of these in any of these sports because then it becomes abundantly clear this is just immensely irresponsible because uh, you could uh, you literally could cost a life and so this that's the scary side of this and that's the part which i agree with saul is again the selfish part i don't want to be reminded of that while i'm watching this because i just want to feel a little bit of normalcy uh i mean we'll get into the schedule but i think watching 11 a 11 30 a.m suns game on a weekday won't be won't feel like total normalcy but at least it'll feel kind of normal so you know let's not talk about the schedule quite yet but we do (laughs) want to hear from everybody watching and on youtube right now in the youtube chat what do you guys think about this we'll go ahead and read some of your comments 
Hey, Jim, Jim Rose, welcome back to the show. Always good to have you in the chat, my friend. It's been a while since uh, since I've uh, seen Jim joining in. He must have been busy doing things. Yeah, well, yeah. that's tough during this time. So, you know, more power to you. I've been busy doing things over the last <laughs> three months. You know, this is, this is the only thing I, I, that and work. And I'm all within 100 feet of here. So, yeah, it's fun times. So, are, are we literally just going to sit here until something pops up in the chat? I mean, that that, that makes for <laughs> a really... To, yeah. I, I was actually, I wanted to get up and get a cup of coffee, but I was waiting okay. for us all to talk so that the, the, the camera switched <laughs> yeah. off of me. Well, you just tell me I, that. I, I can I switch cameras. I, I didn't have anything to, to converse about on the chat. There's only like two things that are... <laughs> so, so in the chat, Jim Rose says he's in France, which means... Uh, You've probably been stuck there a while, Jim, so I hope you're enjoying France. Uh, good to have you. Friend of the pod, uh, which I'm stealing from another pod, but I, I don't care. That's a saying we can say. So uh, are you, Saul, are you genuinely excited to watch teams like the Suns and other sports? Uh, or or is is that hesitation creeping in? for you too i i keep going back and forth i'm like 75 percent excited and 25 percent going i'm not sure what the heck's going on here so um i you know i, I think at, at the beginning of all this I, I i was like that even about a month ago i was i was feeling like this but you know honestly the way the the country has handled covid in the first place um i just feel like you know what at, at this point you know, I don't know what else you can do. You know, I people either care or they don't care. The mask is being politicized. Like, I don't care about any of that. Just do what, you, do what makes everybody else safe. If you can do it, put on a mask. If you can't, just stay home. Like, I don't care. So when it comes to sports, I'm like, just play. Just play. You know, at this point, just play. And whoever gets sick, gets sick. And they'll, they'll have to get out. Um, every player understands the risk. That is involved. I think that's the most important thing. You have the ability to remove yourself, not only right now, but even down the road. Players can say, "I don't, I don't feel safe anymore. I want out," and they can bounce, and that's their prerogative. And I'm not going to hold it against them if they want to do that. So I think that, because of that specific reason, if you were to tell me, right, or yourself, "Hey, um, we're going to play <clears throat> in a league next week," um, you know, and it's it's up to you if you want to play. Well, I understand. I'm taking a risk. I can play. Period. And I, now, granted, I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to do this, but uh, I think that's something that that every player understands, and they want to do it. And that, then most of them are going to go do it. So yeah. I, I don't really care so much anymore. Look, I just want to see. I just want to see games. Look, if if I were getting paid millions of dollars, you know, for anything, I mean, heck, I could be a human sneeze guard at that point. I'd probably be like, you know what? I think I'm going to take this risk. It's millions of dollars. <laughs> So I don't begrudge them on that front. I mean, I didn't. I didn't want to make it sound like that, but uh, yeah, I think uh, I, I think you're totally right. And uh, you're now my biggest problem is finding excuses to uh, tell my bosses as to why I can't be on that Zoom call at uh, you know at certain yeah. times <laughs> during uh, during the first few weeks of August because uh, there's a lot of a lot of games we'll get into that are uh, during the day for the Suns. Hey, uh, interesting so question in the chat that I want to throw out. Since you're a U of A guy, Saul, and uh, Tim, if this is in the agenda and uh, I missed it, well, too damn bad. Uh, I'm hijacking things. Uh, Sean in the chat wants to know, Alonzo Trier, you think the Suns will try to claim him off waivers? He wouldn't be able to play uh, in any playoff games that the Suns uh, get to play in when they go 8-0, <laughs> no, but uh, but they could claim him and make him part of the future, potentially. Uh, Alonzo Trier and I go way back. <laughs> I don't. And, that uh, doesn't sound like it's a I, good know, thing. Say that again. <laughs> I said that doesn't sound like it's a good thing the way you said uh, that. No, so. no. You know, he got upset because I said that uh, um, he needed a lot of work because he fell down. You know, he fell apart down the stretch almost every year, the last ten games of every season. And I and I wanted it for U of A, obviously, and uh, in the tournament. Uh, and, and I just I wanted to see more. And when I saw them play um, against Buffalo, I thought he looks a lot slower than these other guards for Buffalo and look as strong. And I was worried about how he was going to be, be able to translate to the NBA game because it's not isolation when you're trying to come off the bench uh, for most NBA guards trying to make their way into the league. And so but he survived and he, he did his his part, got a two year deal for seven million dollars and then got cut. Um, I don't think he is the best 
uh, option for the Suns in, in any regard, uh, especially if you were thinking about possibly bringing on for next season. Um, you know, we all know that once the ball goes to Kelly Oubre, there's a tendency for the ball to kind of stick with Kelly Oubre for a little bit. If you add Alonzo Trier to that mix, now you have two guys where just kind of the ball just doesn't move as well as it should because uh, Alonzo Trier is definitely an, an ISO guard and that's why his his tag is isozo because that's what he lives on you know so um if you need a score if you need somebody that's going to be able to provide a little bit of a punch and you just desperately need a little bit more scoring off the bench i think it's not a bad option but i don't think it's an option for the suns the the ayton relationship doesn't uh, play anything into it do you think no no not even a little bit all right Good perspective because I would have been like, eh, sounds like sounds like a good uh, potential backup guard because they have none. So, uh, so thank you for the well, insight. You know, so. you know what the Suns don't need? What's that? <laughs> Is another shitty backup guard. Like I just <laughs> we we've collected enough, enough of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so before we get into the schedule, Saul, I do want to ask your opinion. Obviously, the Suns do have the ability. Uh, to bring somebody on for the remainder of the season. Um, in the chat, in the document that we prepared, we've talked about a little bit on the show, there are some free agent names. you got Trey Burke, Isaiah Thomas, uh, Derek Walt Jr., Alan Crabb, Jamal Crawford, Gerald Green, C.J. Miles, Tyler Johnson no longer on the board. He signed with the Nets. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Tolliver. Do any of those names intrigue you, and do you think that the Suns will or should uh, pick up another player? You know, I, I actually like Alan Crabb. Um, Alan Crabb, uh, you know, he's he's a lengthy guy. He can score a little bit. He can play a little bit of defense. Um, we've seen Gerald Green. We've been there, done that. Same with Jamal Crawford. Um, I I know a lot of people love Jamal Crawford, and I appreciate everything that he's done in the game. I'm just not a big Jamal Crawford uh, fan at this point. Um, I know a lot of players love Jamal Crawford, and they would like to see him. Um, I just – I don't see a, a particular role for him on this team. Uh, you know, this team is in development mode. They're not in trying to win immediate mo- mode. And by adding Jamal Crawford or somebody like that, or, or even Gerald Green at this point, you know, you, none of these guys are going to be developing for the future, right? So um, I think Alan Crabb is probably the one on that list that that appeals to me the most. Trey Burke, man, I, I really want to love Trey Burke. But, man, he, he's got so many holes in his game that he just – it, it just doesn't seem like a good fit. We've been with, there with Isaiah Thomas and uh, DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Tolliver are, are a big no for me. Um, DeMarcus Cousins, just there's just no point for that because he can't run up and down the court um, as, as well as you're going to want him to. And uh, Anthony Tolliver, more of a defensive-minded player, and uh, I, I would like to see a little bit more scoring from, from that position anyway. So um, as a backup to, to DeAndre or whoever else they bring in, uh, I don't think those are viable options. Oh, look, I, I you're – Finally, somebody else that agrees with me on the Jamal Crawford side of things. I uh, I actually got blocked by Isaiah Thomas uh, for for saying that last year. He got a, a little upset that I said uh, I had seen enough of Jamal Crawford, and you can give me the young guys now uh, for the Suns. Like I just I don't know what that really adds to the mix. If 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 you bring him in, no long term point to that. Uh, even short term, I don't think it really helps you. Uh, I think I think what we're going to see, Alan Crabb is an is an interesting potential signing, but most of these guys that are available that are worth anything, I imagine are going to want to sign with a contender yeah. and not uh, not with the hey, they've got a 1 in 10,000 chance of uh, of doing this group that is the Phoenix Suns, the bubble boys, as I'm calling them, since none of the games are going to take place in the Valley. They're all going to take place in the bubble. Uh, so I don't think any of these uh, additional guys are going to want, really want to join the bubble boys is, uh, is my thought. And you might as well just run it out there and see what you can do with this group, because the chances are, are very slim that you're going to even force your way into that ninth seed. But, uh, you know, you might as well Get some extra run for these guys that are your core of your future and understand, uh, you know, if you want to bring start to look, get an additional eight games to look at guys like Frank Kaminsky and, and figure out if uh, if they're part of your future as well. Uh, you guys ready to talk about the schedule? Yes, let's, let's do, do it. it. Awesome. Okay. Well, first before there, I do want to thank a longtime listener, Jake Bro- Jacob Brongder. Oh man, I messed up your name, Jake. I apologize, buddy. Uh, I, I 
that my fault. Anyway, thank you so very much for supporting <laughs> the show. Um, uh, he's been a longtime supporter. I offered to send some more sun swag out to him. He said, no, thank you. I have enough of this crap. Um, <laughs> but if anybody else does, because he's, he's supported the show before, if anybody else feels like you get some value out of this and you want to hear me fuck up your name live on air, uh, please, by all means, uh, go ahead and hit the support show button. There's a one, five, and ten dollar option. And- and also the new option on YouTube, there is a join button now. So if you're watching on YouTube, head to the main page, click join. There is a, uh, a, a I'm trying to remember, Elliot Kobo level, a Kelly Oubre level, and a Devin Booker level. It's, uh, I think it's one, uh, five, and $10 option as well. You can join there. Uh, it gives you access to a, uh, a user chat and some other functions that uh, eventually will provide additional things. Plus, if you do the big boy uh a donation there the booker will uh have tim schlepp his ass to the uh, post office and, and send you stuff that he no longer wants in his house i think is is the way it works so uh so the projected starting lineup i'm um, seeing if you guys have any disagreements with this before we move on rubio Sharich, booker bridges and ayton they that lineup play a total of 105 minutes over the course of this season and at a positive 2.5 net rating look i think eventually that's going to become it's going to become Rubio, Booker, uh, Cam Johnson, uh, Bridges, and Aiton. I think that's where we wind up uh, a few games into this uh, because they're going to try to replicate what they had with Ubre. I think Sarge has fallen out of favor. I just I don't think he's any part of their future plans. So I think giving him major minutes is not going to be something that uh, that winds up happening here. And I think they're going to try to experiment with Cam. Yeah, I don't have any qualms over that that uh, that lineup, uh, and I I tend to agree with you about Cam Johnson. Uh, though I think in the future they'll they'll try to probably get a, a different kind of power forward, obviously. But uh, for right now, in the immediate future, I think uh, Mikael Bridges, uh, you know, he had been trending towards uh, possibly starting in some way, shape, or form anyway, and uh, I think he's ready for that. Uh, it seems like he has taken um, a big step, especially in the second part of the year. Uh, and so adding him to the starting lineup uh, and, re- and replacing Kelly Oubre is uh, a smart move. And I think if even if Kelly Oubre was playing, I think um, perhaps potentially Saric would have been the one moved to the bench and, and Bridges would have came in and they would have gone just a, a lengthy, smaller lineup. Um, I'm a bit bummed. So we're going to talk about the schedule a bit bummed. We don't get to see an eight and Zion matchup. Um, for the rest of the season. But you guys talked about this a bit before. The games are on early, um, you know, 11.30, 1 o'clock. Uh, obviously, it's going to make an impact. That being said, it's the same impact for, for both teams, so I'm not sure there's an advantage there. The Suns are starting it off Friday, July 31st against the Wizards for a Beal versus Booker matchup. Yeah, I mean, and this is this is probably a game that uh that you wanted if you're sons and you had a general idea of who you're going to play this is probably the game you wanted to start off with because uh, the wizards are the bottom feeder that they they let in from the east so uh you know and, and they don't have bertons that he he decided to sit out uh so this this is a matchup that you can you can get off to a fat a fast start you can you can play well because the Suns are a better team than the wizards uh, they were even if Bertans played. So this is a this is a team that if you're going to face somebody else in this situation, this is where you want to start off with because the Suns have a a massive road ahead of them, and we'll go through all eight games. But they need to go basically seven to one, eight and zero oh, to have a realistic shot to to force that uh, that play in uh, tournament. So if you were gonna if I was gonna pick. Anybody out of the entire list of 22 teams in Orlando to start this off with, it would have been the Wizards. So that is a, a huge win for the Suns there. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. thousand percent. There's nothing else that would change. Um, starting off with the Wizards is about the easiest route you can start off with in Disney World. And uh, I mean, I don't really have much else to say besides that. That was perfectly said. The only crappy team, right, apart from the Suns. And, that, you know, it's funny. The Wizards might be saying the same damn thing themselves, right? Oh, I'm sure they are. I'm sure there's a podcast like uh, taking a whiz or something uh, over uh, for for the Wizards that that's sitting here going, "Oh, we got the Suns. We're gonna we're gonna feast off that. The Suns are are worse than us. The Wizards are better even without Bertans. There's some there's some version of me that's a Wizards fan that's saying the same crap over there. So how, how long have you been sitting on that? I literally just came up with that. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> take a whiz. Then we should just do it anyway. Yeah. Just <laughs> make our own Wizards podcast and call it that. <laughs> just bad puns. I've got a million of them. So. <laughs> Uh, next up, the Suns do have the Dallas Mavericks for an Aiton versus Doncic matchup. That is uh, August 2nd. Worth noting the Aiton owned Porzingis in the one matchup that they did play earlier in the season. They weren't matched up against each other that long. Uh, for that, though, Aiton had 13 points on 5-6 of six shooting versus Porzingis. Porzingis was one of three for three points. Um, also, Luka Doncic, when Aiton was on the floor, had a negative net rating of minus 47. When Aiton was off the court, Luka Doncic had a negative net rating of negative uh, 0.2. Look, I mean, Sam, Sam Vecini actually wrote a pretty good article on the development of, of DeAndre Aiton and how, how much he improved from year to year. And his defensive, obviously his defensive rating improved and uh, he didn't look as hesitant um, to play better defense this year as he did last year, especially, um, you know, only getting a short sample size, I believe it was like the game. So, and I'm also conflicted when people say Doncic versus Aiton, because there's very, very rarely in the game. Do you ever see that matchup? Um, I, I, I like, I, it makes sense to me when people say LeBron versus Kawhi, because those two are probably going to get matched up against each other. I understand this is just semantics, but still like, I understand it's a battle of the first round picks, but I don't get it because they don't guard each other. Look, uh, anytime these two, that's always going to be the, the storyline here and it forever will be. Uh, uh, and, you know, I'm, I said it on Twitter this week. I still think the Suns did the right thing. I think we're looking at the 1984 draft here and the Suns, you know, if, if we're going to call Luca the Jordan in this, I think the Suns got the quote unquote Hakeem in in this so i i don't think that anybody went wrong necessarily and there the, these matchups will always have that intrigue but there's been reports that luca got a little uh puffy in in the offseason. and he did the anti nikola Jokic uh, and found whatever weight nikola lost so if that's true that's gonna that's gonna add an extra uh few pounds of intrigue to uh yeah. to the whole thing that quarantine 15 uh, is a very yeah. real thing yeah Maybe maybe he found the quarantine 30, uh, and it's going to be really, really ugly for Dallas. I'm fine with that as a Suns fan and the fact that I don't want to spoil it, but they play the Mavericks twice. So uh, so I'd be all right with uh, Puffy Luca. all right? You get Puffy Vincent Luca at the beginning, the... but you get Skinny Luca at the end. St so. Stay puffed Luca. Uh, what, yeah, that's, that's what I'll call him. So. Vincent in the chat bringing up a good point he said who the Suns put on Doncic. I think that this is going to be one of the games where the Suns are missing a, a Kelly Oubre type wing defender in this lineup. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Jordan Ham in the chat. He's watching on Twitter. He says, opens podcast. Here's Espo say taking a whiz. And that's the kind of content <laughs> that you come to the Sun Solar Panel for. Out of context, this show is really bizarre. I'll say that much for it. So to answer the question, though, um, who did the Suns put on Doncic? Mikhail Bridges. Mikhail? Yeah. I yeah, mean, Mikhail's the only Mikhail. option. He's the only guy that plays solid defense. So Mikhail's going to be on whoever the best player uh, is within in reason, is unless he's a, a big guy. Uh, it's uh, Mikhail's always going to be the guy on. So that being said, let's not give him a hard time when he is guarding literally the best point guard all the way to the best power forward throughout the entire tournament every single game, but he only scores seven points a game, right? Let's stop that chatter before it starts. Uh, next up, the Suns do have on August 4th, the Clippers. The Clippers recently added Joakim Noah. Uh, there is There are some reports and... Uh, I don't know whether or not it's been decided, but Lou Williams said that he might not play. Uh, to me, this seems like the matchup where the Suns are really going to be missing uh, Kelly Oubre. They are one and two versus the Clippers so far this season. Yeah, uh, and this is one of those weird middle-of-the-day games, too. This is a 1 p.m. matchup, so uh, yeah, get your get your sick notes ready or whatever i'm two weeks of vacation sounds really good uh, right around end of july uh, uh into into the middle of august to catch all these suns games but this is a game where if they can if they can be the team from the beginning of the year uh, they have a shot all right and and that's a big if but this is going to be the first real speed bump i see uh of this entire entire schedule so far like the first two games uh, Wizards, Mavs. I think you have uh, the opportunity to to start off two and zero, 
but this could be where uh, the wheels start to come off. Uh, and I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative, but the reality is the Clippers are a damn good team, and it's going to take uh, uh, it's going to take a, a valiant effort to find uh, find a way to to beat them because they're playing for a championship and you're playing just for the opportunity to potentially get your teeth kicked in uh, against the Lakers or Clippers in that first round. Uh, I, I mean, the Clippers, in my estimation, if the Suns aren't going to win the whole thing, um, the the Clippers are the ones that I think are going to uh, take the title home. I just think that defensively they're just too good and uh, offensively they have enough to get past like – a LeBron, if you will, and whoever else may face. And the Suns are going to have their hands full for sure. You know, they, they, they struggled with them early on. Um, and the first time around, the, when they did the, the one game that they did win, um, they played out of their minds. They played a, probably one of their best games of the season. Um, and Booker definitely took on that challenge against Patrick Beverly. But the, the next two times, not so much. And uh, I think they're going to have their hands full for sure against uh, Kawhi and company trying to think i feel like that win against the clippers earlier in the season one of either Kawhi or paul george was missing paul, paul george, george was out yeah paul george was out that's right with the shoulder yeah. uh next and up it, the pacers that, and doesn't that feel like it was like three years ago well, my gosh it was <laughs> mentally <laughs> just 2020 man uh, I guess it was 2019. I mean, honestly, the fact that the Australian, the, when the entire continent of Australia was on fire and that feels like that was years ago, you know, that was just earlier this year. Yeah. <laughs> um, August 6th, the Suns taking on the Indiana Pacers. Obviously, TJ Warren is going to have some thoughts with that game. Uh, Victor Oladipo not guaranteed uh, to come back, and the Suns did lose to uh, Indiana this season. Look, and a pretty embarrassing loss, if I remember correctly. I feel like that was one of the ones that was right before All-Star break, right? Uh, Indy was seeing a bunch of players. The Suns came out, and they were just lethargic. I think this is the, the linchpin game. I think this is where either they have a realistic shot at, at making noise or we realize, okay, well, this was a fun exhibition for the Suns, but now now maybe it's time to, uh, to put uh, the bubble boys on bubble wrap and let a lot of these uh, – the bench crew uh, do the heavy lifting for the remainder of this, because I think they're probably sitting two and one at this point, uh, three and one, you're feeling good two and two. It becomes a, I know it's only a one game swing there, but it becomes a very difficult to be part of the picture. So this is a key game uh, in my mind to try to figure it out. You have to be three and one after this one, two and two, you're done. There is, there is no, if you just are done, because if you can't beat, I mean, you're assuming that they're going to lose to maybe possibly out of those first three, maybe the Clippers, right? Yeah. Um, possibly the Mavs, but uh, most likely the Clippers. And then if you don't beat Indiana, you're, you're toast. You're toast. You have to be three and one after this game because you got four other beasts coming right around the corner and you can't do anything about those. Yeah, and three and yeah. one, three and one. We're all excited. I think. I think at that point we're all kind of getting to okay, maybe something magical can happen. Maybe maybe they can shock the world. Now it's it's going to depend on what all those teams in front of you have done because they're all sitting three and one. And I don't. I did not analyze who's playing, who if that's possible. But if a majority of those teams are sitting at three and one as as well, you're still you're still in a, a world of hurt to try to jump all those teams. But but I think three and one, there's going to be a buzz with this fan base. Uh, two and two, we'll go, eh, well, it was fun. And if they're one and three at this point, I, most people are probably tuning out from it, at least the Suns portion of this, even even as Suns fans. So uh, three and one, I think, is, is, is legitimate here. I, I really do. Uh, and, you know, if they're four and oh, I'm I'm going to be doing a podcast every uh every hour on the hour uh because that that'll be really exciting and next up they do have the miami heat obviously they're really going to be missing kelly Oubre for this one but do not sleep on the miami heat they have been great this season and they're an incredibly scrappy team and honestly i don't think that's a very good matchup for the suns at all i th i think the heat actually are, are a sleeper pick in the east to make the finals i think they're one of the one of the teams that could actually 
trip up Giannis uh, and the Bucks. So that's uh, that's not an easy game at all. And uh, our our friend uh, Gorn Dragic uh, always finds a way to play very well against his former team, uh, and and he's just the backup point guard uh, now over there. So uh, I really think uh, this is going to be a, a tough game uh, on par with that Clippers game. Uh, and so if you're sitting at three and one, it doesn't get to Saul's point. It does not get any easier. Uh, this is, this is a hellish route to try to, uh, to try to surprise people and they're going to have to be at, at the top of their game. And I, you're right, Tim. I, I think this is one where not having Kelly Uberry, not having that energy, uh, not having that extra scoring could really become difficult for them. Yeah, I think this is where the inexperience of the Suns comes into play to a degree. You know, I think for younger teams to play other teams that are as, as versatile, if not more versatile than they are, um, it's tough to adjust to those styles. And the Miami Heat are one of the best in the league in terms of being able to play many different styles. They can go small. They can go big. Um, you know, Bam is huge down low. Um, Tyler Heroes come on. Like, I mean, there's just so many parts to to what they can do out there that make them uh, a uniquely difficult matchup for this Suns team. So um, it, it, I think I agree. It'll be one of their toughest matchups. I don't know about the toughest matchup um, because I think that's coming up here in a couple games. But, um, yeah, I, I think the Miami Heat, that's that, that's a tough one. Now, I will say this. If the Suns are able to go 3-1 and one and they ended up beating the Heat at 4-1, and one, then I start to lose my mind. <laughs> I think that you bring up a good point that, and, and Vincent in the chat says it as well, but that Bam-Aiton uh, matchup is going to be uh, huge, no no pun intended, well, maybe a little bit, uh, in, in this game uh, because that, that's you're going to need Aiton to, at the very least, match everything Bam does to, to even it out, and then it's going to be up to to Booker uh, to to play as well as Jimmy Butler. And it doesn't – poor Mikhail Bridges. This is going to be like the toughest eight games this guy <laughs> has to go through because he's got, you know, Beal, Luka. Uh, he's going to have to guard Kawhi or or Paul George. Then he's going to get uh, Jimmy Butler. Like, this guy gets no days. Disneyland is not the happiest place uh, on earth for uh, – uh, for poor Mikhail Bridges, he's going to be exhausted after these eight games. Dude has just been lifting the entire time, I bet. <laughs> um, next up, which this is a matchup that I do not feel confident in whatsoever. That is the Suns versus the Thunder. Obviously, we have CP3 versus Rubio. Uh, but we have seen over the course of the games that the Suns have played so far against the Thunder that Gallo has just destroyed the Suns. And to me, in this matchup, this... If the Suns are going to come out victorious, Dario's got to have a really solid game against Gallo. And this is our first 11.30 a.m. matchup, so that's exciting. (laughs) Grab your breakfast if you get up late and enjoy some Suns basketball. (laughs) Oh, man, that's going to be a tough one. That is tough. I mean, don't forget about Frank Kaminsky, too. You know, he's going to be back. Um, which will help a, a little bit um, in trying to guard the perimeter bigs. But again, you know, going back to your your Bam versus Aiden uh, matchup, it's the same thing. You know, when when you're talking about OKC and and, and who they have down low, it's just the guys that just want to pound you. Uh, I think Aiden needs to take on that challenge a little bit a little bit better. Um, I think he, uh, there's times where he kind of disappears. But then there's other times where he he can rise up to the challenge and play more physical. And the the problem is, is sometimes when he does that, he gets a little overzealous and then gets in foul trouble. Um, but for the most part, I would like to see him take that next step. That honestly, in this entire eight game set, I'm really looking for Aiden to start to establish himself as the true number two to Booker instead of kind of by default, if you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, the the thing that I hate with with the Thunder matchup too is it's just not fair because the Suns struggled to get one point guard for the last uh, four years. And the Thunder have three guys that legitimately could start for teams and, and Chris Paul, uh, Shea Gilders, Alexander and Dennis Schroeder. So uh, yeah, that's going to be fun when, uh, when you're watching that and then you realize, Hey, Elliot Kobo's coming off the bench. Get excited. <laughs> I mean, you know, Chris Paul, too, he's, he's still really good. He was also on top of Gallo, uh, just carving up the Suns late, late in those matchups. 
Yeah, I just that's this. I I think this is is a trip up game. If they if they still have a shot at this point, I, I think the Thunder are the kind of team that you can get a little overconfident and ride a little too high and go, oh, yeah, they look at the roster. It's not, you know, like everybody, everybody's underestimated OKC this year. Nobody thought they were going to be very good, and they've come together and played extremely well as a team. So I I think this could wind up being a game where the Suns still have a chance and they have a disappointing loss. If I I look at anybody, uh, any of these games, this is the one I have circled that this could be the disappointing loss game. Yeah, disappointing no or expected? I, I think disappointing. I, I I think I think they can compete with OKC, but if if they start, you know, if they're if they're sitting with a chance still at this point, I think it's a classic trap game where you just overlook it because you just there's not the big superstar. Chris Paul is very good, but he's on that backslide of. Uh, uh, of it, I, I think this is. I think this is where you may overlook uh, this team, uh, and not and not rightfully so. This is a very good team, uh, but I think if you're if you're still in the picture at this point, this may be the one where they get the doors blown off of them, and everybody goes, "Where the hell did that come from? They were playing so well." And coming up, the game that I think Saul was alluding to earlier. Phoenix Suns versus the Sixers, where clearly we have Embiid versus Aiton. Those matchups have not been incredibly favorable so far. So far, Saul, your thoughts on this game? Yeah, that's exactly the game that I was I was more looking for. Um, you know, it, it, Joel Embiid. Um, if you're not ready for him, obviously he's a head case, and and he could be plenty for DeAndre Aiton to try and match up with. It's just it's just too difficult of a matchup for DeAndre right now because he's just not there yet in terms of his all around game. Whereas Embiid, you know, he he's he's crafty. He talks a lot of smack. He he's he's good, you know, obviously. So um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how Aiden um, kind of takes what he learned from last year because that's the last time he's he played him um, and takes it to this year because uh, in the first matchup, Aiden was out. So um, it'll, it'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I just think matchup wise all over the all over the court, um, t- just too much, too much sauce for the Suns to deal with um, in this particular game. But again, they beat him the first time around without Aiden. Um, I, I believe Embiid was out that game, too. So it was kind of yeah. even on both sides. But um, this time around, they'll have them both. And I think the advantage definitely goes to the Sixers in this regard um, and makes up a little bit, frees up a little bit more for those perimeter players for the Sixers to get off uh, outside of, you know, obviously Simmons who can't shoot a lick. <laughs> yeah, just leave him out there. He can shoot as many yeah. threes as he'd like. Yeah, he's on ISO Island out there. This, yeah, he'll also get about 15 steals in three minutes, though. It, that's true. Is is Iso Island anywhere near Waiters Island? It seems like they they might be uh, they might be close. Uh, anyway, anyways, uh, with this matchup, this was my favorite game of the beginning uh, of the season, and that and that quick start that this team got off to. Uh, it was at Talking Sick Resort Arena, and Devin Booker goes off, and, and I was in the arena. MVP chance breakout for him, uh, and so we know they're capable of beating the 76ers, but there's a very good chance by this point uh, they're not caring because <laughs> they could very well be out of the picture. And we could be talking about, uh, you know, 30 minutes of Aaron Baines versus Joel Embiid uh, and, and nobody really caring all that much or Frank Kaminsky getting major minutes at, at center because Aiton's been shut down uh, at that point. If, if the Suns are still in the picture, this is going to be a very, fun game because uh, Aiton and Embiid going at each other uh, could provide a very, very fun storyline uh, with, with something actually on the line. And then looking at Devin Booker uh, and, uh, and Ben Simmons, they have the, uh, the Jenner Kardashian connection. Actually, I think they both dated Kendall. Uh, if I'm if I'm right, or one of them dates, I don't know. They they all have some connection, so there could be some uh, some ill will uh, there that we are not aware of that could uh, could fuel some uh, fun fun one on one matchups between Book and uh, and Simmons. 
or Wait, some we... sort of menage a trois that gets oh, a geez. bunch of coronavirus going around. Oh Jesus! Her, bu- <laughs> her bubble isn't allowed in the bubble. All right. <laughs> All right. so, hey, real quick, yeah. you were talking about shutting down players. In, I mean, we've just had four months off, right? I understand the thought process and not trying to get somebody hurt before you get into next season, but you don't even know what's going to happen next season. You don't even know if there's going to be a next season. You know what I mean? So, like, as a fan, how would you feel if they were like, oh, yeah, eight out, you know, precautionary reasons just to save them for next year? Would you be upset? It's only eight games. No, if if they're at a point where they're out, I don't care at that point. I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about that. Just like I'm not going to. I complain too much about Kelly Oubre deciding that it was better for him long term to not play at all. Like, but for Aiden specifically, specifically for Aiden, well, because okay. he are, he already missed half the season anyway. It feels like, yeah, well, he did. Specifically for Aiden, yeah, maybe there's a there's a little less uh, onus to try to put him on on ice at at some point. But it depends if he turns an ankle in this or anything, even if there's the littlest thing, I will not begrudge them once they, if they are out of contention, considering shutting, shutting him down and other people, quite frankly, because the last thing you want is to be out of contention, playing meaningless games in a bubble and have a Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton or even a Mikhail Bridges have some serious injury because if they are playing next season, that turnaround is very, very short between when these games end in the middle of August and when uh, you wind up back at, at training camp sometime in November with a December start. So you don't have a lot of room to play with here. It, it, Especially it just if feels, you're a contending team. Right? It just feels you're, like, you're the, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, if you're like the, the team that makes it to the finals, what is it like a month? Turnaround? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you're if you're actually yeah, if you're playing in the playoffs, that turnaround's even even more compact. But even for the Suns, if they only make it till the middle of August, not a lot of not a lot of downtime to rehab a major injury before you're right back at it. So I understand considering uh, considering that uh, if, if it comes up. So it feels like Aiden has played seven out of 10 games anyway in his career, just because he's always, you know, he, he has a tendency to get hurt with it, with that foot over and over again, you know? So I'm like, you know, I'm willing to take the risk because chances of you getting hurt again are probably kind of significant. So I might as well go ahead and play you because you need all the development work you can get. And again, we're talking about the middle of August. They're done, right? If, if they're done middle of August, you got September, October, November, three more months. So about 14 weeks, roughly, to rehab that injury if they start December 1st. I think that's plenty of time, man. Get your butt out there and play. I, so, last game of the season, the Suns are taking on Dallas Mavericks. Guess the starting lineup for the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Uh, uh, who's who's the backup point guard nowadays? There, there is none still. <laughs> There's a bunch of guys, but there is none. <laughs> Just a bunch of dudes out there. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna go with the same first, the first five from the the first Mavs matchup. I'm gonna I'm gonna stay on the side. We're gonna thrive in optimism today, gentlemen, and we're gonna <laughs> say that they're gonna be six and six and one or or five and two at this point, and they have a chance. They yeah. they have a chance, just like their their social media uh, socialed out. So you're saying there's a chance. I'm gonna say they're gonna have a chance, and uh, so the full starting five from the first time first matchup, including Sarge in that f- first five. I think the, that's the that's the squad they're going to roll with. So Tim, it's going to be Javon Carter, Elliot <laughs> Elliot Kobo, uh, maybe Cam Johnson because you just don't have that many guys on the roster, so he might have to play Sarich and uh, and Baines or Kaminsky. No, no, no check check. Oh yeah, I forgot Diallo. Yeah, check Diallo. We'll uh we'll be playing center, and we'll all go. <laughs> why are we subjecting ourselves to this uh right now? And yet pour it into my veins because I need this. That's how we're all gonna be. <laughs> and I, and I think um you underestimate the likelihood of a uh, Ty Jerome uh, starting uh, one of the games. I I think Ty Jerome is going to play uh, a decent amount of minutes and show that. Uh, that he's not as bad as we thought. So they may, uh, they may go, you know what? We can throw Javon and, and Ellie out there because we've got a guy that may be uh, at worst, our, our third point guard next year. Well, let's, let's protect him a little bit. Oh my 
God. If we see a Ty Jerome and Ellie Kobo uh, combination <laughs> at any point, Your like, head's I, gonna I'm, just, I'm gonna turn off the games. I, I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to. I have had, we have all collectively, this is not about me, had years and years of shit-ass basketball from the Suns. Do not run out Ty Jerome and Ellie Kobo at any point unless it is the final two minutes of a game in which you are up 30. Did you see what Vincent said? <laughs> yeah, Vin- <laughs> Jerome, LeCue, Johnson, Kaminsky, check. Oh. I forgot about LeCue. Yeah, get Jay dude, LeCue in there. Dude, I do it. love LeCue. What do you think it's all about LeCue, man? His game. I think, I think he's athletic as hell. And uh, I love his um, – I like I like his creativity. I think he, he has a lot of room to work on his shots, which – at his size, he he desperately needs to um, to develop that. But the kid can score, and so you know I, I think I, th- I say why not? You might as well give him a couple shots at this and this in these next eight games uh, just to see what he could do on the on the big boy stage, especially with no fans. I think this is a a, a relatively stressless environment uh, to a degree. Obviously, with COVID, that's that's a different thing. Or or these could be just like your regular down the street wreck pickup games and that's the thing that i'm looking forward to the most is the uncontrolled sound that we're going to be able to have access to you're going to hear all the trash talk on the court because the mics are all going to pick it up (laughs) it's going to be awesome that's the that's the whole that's the only reason why i want to see college basketball this season it's because i want to hear sean miller scream at dudes on the sideline that's the (laughs) only reason i want to listen to uh, hey, is is Sean Miller a pretty overrated basketball coach at this point? In my in my perception of Sean Miller is is that I think he's very intelligent. I think he's stubborn as hell, and I think he has two personas. He definitely has two personas. He has one that's the coach, the mentor, and the public figure, and then he has the sideline coach. And the sideline coach is the dude that you just do not want to talk to at all because he is screaming at everybody. <laughs> He's dropping F-bombs. That's just Sean. But that doesn't bother me. I like I like that. I want to hear that. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just I like to hear it. <laughs> Sean Miller is one of the few guys that could win a wet T-shirt contest without anybody else providing the water. <laughs> like that dude. Sweat. I'm fat and I sweat a decent amount. But that guy brings it to new levels. All right. It looks like he's doing the ice bucket challenge without any ice bucket. Uh, it, it's crazy uh, what what that guy is able, uh, sweats when he's yelling on the sideline. Yeah, this show's gone in weird places today. It, it, it has, it has. But I mean, again, like Monty Williams, I want to hear what he's screaming at Aiden on the court. Like we we've all been wondering these things, right, all season long. What is he saying to Aiden when he comes off to the sideline? What is he saying to Devin Booker? What, what is he screaming across the court at, you know, certain players, X, Y, Z? And if you're not sitting courtside, you don't hear any of that. And, you know, so I want to hear that kind of stuff. And I think that's this is going to give us such a great insight into what these coaches are really all about, how much they control the play on the court, and how much they just kind of let their players do what they do. For the most part, and there, there's been two games this season where I've sat behind a bench, for the most part, the coaches just kind of, you know, they'll say a few things here and there, but they're kind of quiet. But Monty's constantly pacing back and forth. I want to see what he's saying to his players and, and how much it really sticks. Because now, I'm honestly, like if Kelly Oubre were playing and, and Monty Williams were to scream something on the court about like, hey, we need to get blah, 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 whatever. And you see Kelly Oubre just kind of ignore it and do his own thing. Then you start to have a different perception on what's really going on, right? It, it, so I think this whole thing is going to be fascinating and I can't wait to hear this raw, uncut sound that's going to come across. And I don't know if the coaches really are going to understand that that's happening until after like a game or two. And they're like, oh, man, they picked up everything. Yeah, well, until <laughs> until somebody goes, we cannot believe X, Y, Z said this during a yeah. game. And it becomes yeah. some giant issue. That's when everybody will go, oh, yeah, there's no fans and there's a bunch of live mics. Can you do me a favor, though, Saul? Uh, you know – you know the production, the broadcast team. Uh, just put in a put in a request that we don't pump in like NBA 2K crowd noise, like they're talking about, because <laughs> I don't need that. Nobody needs that. We're not no. dumb. We're not going to be like, whoa, the fans went nuts during that, and then oh yeah, but there's no fans. We're, we don't need that at all. So 
Yeah, you guys yeah. can direct all those questions to Brett Hansen, our PR guy. Oh, so uh, I love I'm out this one. I love Brett. <laughs> so I think to your point, I am uh, really excited about that as well. One of my major complaints about the NBA is they're like, we're going to mic up this person, this person for the game. But then it's so severely edited. The coaches huddles. The only thing you hear them saying in the huddles is like, play defense, guys, defense. Like that, that ain't what they're talking about in the huddles. That's not interesting to hear. Yeah. But now we'll actually get to hear that, that raw, unfiltered, uh, in theory, at least for a, a game or two of what's actually happening happening out there on the court um we are over an hour we do got to get you out of here but before we do greg dave and myself we've never been big draft guys uh like the people watching we tend to get our information by by reading before uh the draft comes out we do have a question from vincent in the chat which came directly to you or for you i should say he said can you do a little bit of draft talk uh before we get out of here Oh, draft talk, huh? Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I will say this. Um, if we're talking about potential spots of to fill, um, I think that uh, the Suns could definitely use a point guard. Um, I would definitely uh, steer away from um, uh, said player from U of A. Um, I don't think I don't think a Nico Mannion is uh, in the best interest of the Suns. Uh, but I mean, I, honestly, like. The Suns are in a position right now where they can they can go a, a variety of different ways, right? Um, and so, I, you know, picking up maybe a power forward that they can develop to go alongside Aiden wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, I also think, you know, point guard. Everybody loves the point guard, and I understand that, but I don't know. I, I, I don't. I, there's not a point guard out there that really excites me so much. Do Do you realize there's a another parallel universe where we had no. Uh, COVID and the draft happened this past Thursday. Does that just blows my mind? When I'm like, I I realized that I was like, whoa, that that's how weird this all is. We're talking about games that are going to be played, and we pr- would have been talking about who the Suns selected or what trade they made with their draft pick if this were a, were a normal world. But I, I I think the Suns need to take if they keep their pick, just take the best player available. Do not that's draft. It. Do not draft for position of need because that's when you get in trouble. Uh, take the best player, figure it out after, whether you have to make deal or whatever you have to do. Uh, take the best player available, even, and I cringe by saying, even if it's a small forward, take the best player available where you're, where you're sitting because uh, just get the best value if you're going to keep the pick. Yeah, I mean, you're not getting Obi Toppin. You're not getting Edwards. You know, you're not getting the, the cream of the crop at the top. So... Um, who are you going to go with? It, it's a crapshoot at this point. And plus, we don't even know what draft order they're going to be in. They don't even know where they're going to fall in line. So it, there's just so many variables um, out there. I know um, one thing that I don't want as well um, is I'm not a big Lamelo Ball fan. So <laughs> I don't think that would be in the best option, Man, uh, I, best interest of that team. I don't think you're going to have to worry about that because they're going to go eight and zero, sneak in the playoffs, and they're not going to have a chance at the lottery. So that's uh, that's the way this is going to happen. You heard it here first. That, uh, that was our draft, talk, or that was our contribution to the, <laughs> to the draft. Thank you so much, Saul. We do appreciate you joining us, waking up so early on a Saturday morning. Um, that's okay. I, the Saul, roosters down the street were uh, were were early on the call, so we're good. Please come back on the show. Um, And Dave King will be back next week. Uh, For myself, Greg, and Saul, thank you so much for spending an hour of your day, your morning, whenever you are watching or listening to the Sun Solar Panel Podcast.